0: Also, for people who may not know what the debt-free scream—I mean, I happen to know what it is, but what is the debt-free scream for people that might be a little confused?
1: Oh, yes. That's that's a very good question. Yeah,
0: thank you. She just went um, outside in Ohio and was like, ah! Oh, <laughs> I'm debt-free!
2: Listen, listen to me, Ohio! Welcome to the Finding Your Shine podcast, hosted by best friends, Nina Boyce and Liz Garster. Enjoy a dose of Monday motivation each week as we interview people lighting up the communities of health and wellness, spirituality, and personal growth.
0: Wherever you are on your journey to health, happiness, and self-love, our real and authentic conversations with guests will keep you inspired and empowered. And keep you laughing too. Thanks for listening. We're honored to join you in Finding Your Shine. Hello, everyone. Today, we are back on Finding Your Shine, and we are talking all things money, which we have before. We love talking about, well, i particularly. I you do know too,
2: though I am always talking about money I really money like is it. my
0: gut health like yeah Nina has gut health Liz has money like that's just we have our our little things we like get really souped up about. yeah but today we're talking really, really nitty-gritty, practical takeaways with Amanda Sherritt, who's a local to Northeast Ohio financial coach and blogger. She also does speaking engagements, workshops, lots of things in the area, helping people get clear on their finances. But we're talking about her debt-free journey, which was paying off over $140,000 in just over three years. Crazy talk. Yes. So, she is a follower of the Dave Ramsey program, which we'll talk more about. Um, It's just one of many different tools and techniques to financial freedom. So, she'll share lots of insights on that in particular, but if you don't subscribe to that particular method, there are tons of takeaways that she has to help you in whatever area you are financially Mm -hmm. and I think the biggest thing
2: coming out of this episode was just that idea of it doesn't have to look very very specific so even though the Dave Ramsey has like these certain steps you also can make it work for you and your comfort zone wherever that may be and just about more about the openness of talking finances is the Mm -hmm. big message coming out of this podcast episode
0: But before we get started, we wanted to remind you that early bird tickets are still on sale for the Empowered Voice Conference in September. They're only going to be available for a limited time. And there are only 50 early bird spots available. So once those go, they are out. And since we're talking about money, those tickets are obviously the cheaper ones that you can get. So we hope you'll take advantage of this while we still have those on sale for you. Just to recap the day, we have awesome wellness content creators in the space that will tell you all about how to create authentic content for you, how to brand yourself, how to connect with other people and explore sponsorships. There's lots during the day that you should take advantage of
2: and come see us and hang out. And speaking of the conference, we did want to make a point that we have shifted the concept of the conference a little bit to focus mainly on women wellness content creators and not just podcasters. So if you have been wanting to come to this conference and you're thinking, I would love to talk to Almost 30. I would love to learn from Kate. Katie about Katie Horwich, Talia Pollock, All of these amazing speakers that we have coming to Columbus, you are welcome and encouraged to come, whether that means you have a platform on social media, you're writing a blog, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel, or you're just interested in learning how you can authentically share your voice with an audience, this is what our conference is all about. In addition to learning from these experts in the field of wellness content creation, you will be going home with a swag bag filled with so many of our favorite wellness sponsors will be providing lunch and we'll also be offering a networking event after the conference where we can all relax, get to know each other, share each other's information, bounce back ideas and enjoy
0: a few drinks while we're at it. Yes. So if you want to learn more about that and purchase tickets, you can go to empoweredvoicepodcast.com, scroll all the way to the bottom and there is ticket information there to purchase them.
2: Yay. All right. Well, we're going to stop gabbing in your ear We're going to talk about some debt payoff strategies with Amanda
0: Sherratt. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Amanda. We're so happy to talk with you today all about one of my favorite topics, obviously, which is money. And I know all of our listeners like to learn about it, too. So thanks for coming on to
1: share your story. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So
0: I want to get into a little bit about your background. Obviously, eventually we'll talk about your really amazing debt payoff story, which is inspiring to me, like the amount of money that you paid off and the amount of time that you paid off. Man, I cannot Um, wait to talk more about that.
2: Like, I feel like it's so applicable to so many of us.
0: But take me back to like maybe pre-debt payoff, like what your life was looking like, like Amanda before debt payoff and what started this journey for you.
1: Sure. Yeah. So we were probably just very typical. We were not afraid of debt. Uh, My husband graduated college with a ton of student loan debt. And then we bought a house and we weren't now I know, really in a shape to to buy a house. But um, we were like, well, we can afford the payments. And so we were making all of our payments. We were fortunate that my husband had a good job. I had a good job. And so we were making all of our payments and we really didn't think that anything was wrong. However, we didn't understand that there was a lot wrong because we didn't have anything in the savings. Um, We didn't really have a big plan for our future. And so my mother-in-law was the one that, that paid for us to go through Financial Peace University. And that's what made us realize we truly did have have a problem with, um, not really an income problem, but a debt problem. Mm-hmm. What is, what did you say? Financial Peace University? Yes. So it's Financial Peace University. It's by Dave Ramsey. Mm. Um, and he has a class that's usually taught at tur- at churches. And my mother-in-law went through it and then she was sitting in that class going, she knew my, my husband had a ton of student loan debt. Mm. And so she came to us. We were very newly married and said, I would love to pay for you to go through this class. And we were very hesitant because, like I said, we didn't think anything was wrong. Ah. We were paying our bills and we didn't think anything was wrong. But we were like, okay. I guess we'll do it because, you know, we didn't want to disappoint mom, yeah. right? So. so, at the time, were you—so, you weren't worried about the,
2: the debt. You weren't worried about student loans. So, you had this mindset of paying my bills equals doing great financially.
1: Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So, we were pretty—probably <laughs> pretty naive because we just, like, thought, okay, we're doing fine. We're paying our bills. Everything's fine. We had a house. And but the thing, and we were able to buy things, but not for cash. Like we financed uh, a lot of yeah. stuff. You know, most of the time, if we needed a couch or a TV or whatever, we weren't afraid of debt. We just financed it. Yeah,
0: I think it's so interesting. At least with student loans, like, a the generations before us, like never could have predicted how much debt we would have in student loans. I don't think. Like when I hear people paying for college for like twenty five hundred dollars a year, but I'm in. I always find it fascinating how like. The views on debt over generations has changed. Like I don't know anyone that doesn't have ridiculous amounts of student loan debt. Oh, me either. Exactly. Rare. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested also, like, so I did the Financial Peace University on a road trip to Oklahoma in the car, like the C D version. How does okay. the class version differ for anyone who's like, I've thought about that, I've seen it offered. Like, how's it different yeah, from? So-
1: when we took it, it was 13 weeks. Um, we now teach it. I, we teach oh. it at our church uh, two times a year and it's now nine weeks. So we meet once a week for nine weeks and it's a video lesson. So it's Dave and his team teaching on each lesson in the video. And then we have class discussion afterwards. So you can share as much or as little about your situation as you want. But the class discussion really helps you feel like you're not alone and feel like you can really get ahead and, and it just helps you understand that there's others in the same situation and um, just helps you to, to understand the information because you're talking it out in a group.
2: Mm. That makes me curious. So when we're talking about debt payoff, sometimes like for me and my husband, for example, um, I mean, I'll be honest, I was very, very blessed that my dad was able to pay for my college and he worked, I mean, blue collar construction worker, um, saved his money like crazy. Like I was very, very fortunate. My husband has a ton of student loans and we went to a private school. Liz knows, Otterbein. I get it. And so sometimes I'm like, you know what? I like forget that student loans is debt. Like I'm like, whatever. Like it's there. I have all these other things I'm like working towards and, you know, paying off the credit card, whatever. And I'm like, student loans is, I don't want to say good debt, because it's not. But I'm like, whatever. It is, it's going to be there and everyone has it. Is there any... Like, do you have any opinion on that? Like, when it comes to... You have a credit card or you have a car loan and then you have student loan debt or maybe a home, a mortgage. Like,
1: what is the ranking on debt? So, I very much follow Dave Ramsey's steps because... Well, one, because they worked for us. That's what they did. And then two, I was trained by his team to be a financial coach. And so, and I've seen them work time and time again. So really it, that's baby step two is paying off all of your debt except for your house. Mm. So the house comes later, but all debt needs to be paid off. And and Nina, I agree. I mean, so many people say that, like it, even with cars, they'll say like, oh, oh, you don't mean to put down my car debt too? And it's like, yes, <laughs> yeah. debt... <laughs> the definition of debt is owing anything to anyone for any reason. So anything like that would be paying that off as soon as possible. And I really find value in doing the debt snowball, doing smallest to largest. And it's because you get those quick wins. For us, we paid off you know the smallest loan really fast and that gave us a big win and made us feel like we could keep going. Mm-hmm. Our, our biggest debt was $100,000. If we would have started with that, I mean, I don't know if we would have paid it off as fast as we did or even at all because I think we would have felt like it was not working. Mm -hmm.
0: So how did you pay off that debt without feeling like, like I know some people, myself included, like there are limits to things I will do to pay off debt. Like I don't want to eat nothing but beans for (laughs) a couple of years while I tackle those student loans. Um, How do you still put in like having a good life and like doing all the things you want to do, maybe cutting back some, but balancing that with your goals.
1: Yeah, so that's a really great question. So two things I think go into that. Um, the first one is I tell people you first have to talk about especially if you're married, you have to talk about your goals and why you're doing this because first you have to understand like that there's a big why and that there's there's a big reason why you're doing this and that it's not going to be long term right? So you're going to live like this for a little while so that you can get the debt paid off um, and that kind of thing. And you need to be on the same page if you're married. So for Jason and I, my husband and I, we we did get really intense towards the end, but it came over time. So the second part is budgeting. We had to be on the same page and do a budget and account for where every dollar was going to go. And That meant that we planned for fun. We put entertainment in there. We put pocket money in there. It was really important that he had money he could spend. And it was no question. And the same for me. And I think that's so important because if you don't have fun money, then you're just going to feel like... you're just going to feel like this is stupid and you're going to give up. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, especially for a spender. I'm a spender. So. And that makes me think too, we always
2: type back to food, but it's like when you're dieting, right? It's like, oh, I can only eat these foods and cast off the rest. Like these are all bad. And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, I can't live like this anymore. And then you need and go you to eat all ice cream and cookies or whatever the case may be. And I'm sure when it comes to debt, payoff and money, it's the same thing. Like, I just need to go out and have fun and spend money. And then you go to the opposite end of the spectrum again.
1: Us, it became like over time, we got more intense. And so I always tell people like the way our budget looked at the end when we were about to, to pay off that or when we did pay off that, it didn't look like that when we started. Meaning we were much more intense in the end because we saw it working. Yeah. And we saw like, okay, there's the finish line. We can cut back everything to you know as low as we can because we're almost there. And so that's a big thing. When I first started coaching with people, that was one mistake that I made as I kind of went in and gave them the plan, right? I'm like, here, if you just cut this, this, and this, you'll have your debt paid off in a year and a half. And it's great. And that might work for some people, but for most people, they need to change their habits and they need to make the change for themselves, it needs to be something that they're doing that's personal. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what do you think when you say people need to change their habits? Like, what are some of the big ones that you see needing shift, and what do you recommend to shift them?
1: Yeah. So, um, so, so many times subscriptions in people's bank yes. accounts or just something like I that. Love just subscriptions, like things it's so hard though. <laughs> I know. I, I got know. them. <laughs>
2: I'm thinking of like 10 right now. Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club. I got Rola. I got to get my organic tampons. I have to get them. And (laughs) we have like some of the. Cody has like three clothing subscriptions. Now he is doing that like from his business, whatever. But he's like, I need clothes for my. I'm like, do you really need three clothing subscriptions? Like for (laughs) real?
1: Yeah. Well, and I always say like, if, if you want it and you use it, that's fine. Um, but so many times there's subscriptions that just renew and people aren't using them anymore. So when I say... T- your habits, it's like the first tip is always tracking your spending is pulling out all of the ways that you spend money. So your credit card statements, your bank accounts, all of those things and actually looking at where you're spending money and what are your habits. Like are you going for coffee every day? Are you, you know, are you spending money at, at Target and Home Depot and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but without even actually realizing it. And so it's just, you know, we so many times just go through our day and we just fall into a routine. And if you're wanting to do those things, That's fine. It needs to be in your plan. But so many times we do it and we're spending money and maybe we don't need to be.
2: Yeah. It's hard for a foodie like me because I noticed that... Same. Mine's all food. And I also struggle with my time and food. So for example, yesterday I, we got back from a weekend trip and we didn't get to go grocery shopping. We were at the office working and I spent, this is so dumb, like $23 on a salad because I wanted to like add some protein. So I added some salmon and then there was a $6 Six dollars delivery salad fee. From? Alchemy, if you guys know Alchemy in Columbus, it's oh, great. I love it. Please buy Alchemy. We love it, but don't Uber it, eat it. Yeah, don't Uber eat it for twenty three dollars. But anyway, I was like, ah, like I just do stupid things like that because I'm like I don't feel like going home and rummaging through my kitchen. I'm just gonna pay twenty dollars for this salad. That's it's an extreme case. So that's where I struggle, or like going to get coffee at a coffee shop and work. You know, it's just little baby things like that for me.
1: Yes, and it's the same for everybody else. I mean, so many times people are saying that same thing about dinner. You know, it's hard, you get home and then they find themselves in the drive-thru or going out to eat or those kinds of things. And so it is a matter of changing your habits and, and maybe starting a meal plan and making sure you have the stuff in the in the house to do those things. And I always say like have easy meals on hand that you can make instead of going out to eat, yeah. you know, when, when the weeknight gets crazy or that kind of thing. And It's okay to do those things, but set it in your budget and say, hey, this is how much I'm going to spend on eating out Mm -hmm. or groceries or, you know, whatever the case is, just set the limits on it. And life happens. You're going to mess it up. But hopefully that's the exception over time and not the rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I always have like an Amy's pizza in my fridge because I know me. And my husband's so great. He does all the cooking, but I'm always the hungry one. So (laughs) I'll be like, let's just get food. I'm hungry right now. And so I have to have that immediate like something that can be made in like 10 minutes before I get hangry because he's a great cook, but like he takes time to make stuff and I'm like hungry right now. So yeah, that's been really helpful for me is having those like quick grabby things. And I have to wrestle with like, I know that's processed food and it wasn't, you know, cooked and blah, blah, blah. So I have to deal with that, but But it's worth it.
1: I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just. No, kind of- sorry. I I was just gonna say. I always tell people it's the same thing of like. I mean, sometimes it's a matter of eating a frozen pizza or going to McDonald's. That's what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's either healthy, so. I was just going to say,
2: but listen, that's like saving you from going to get Chipotle. or Not that Chipotle is like the worst thing that you can eat, but I totally use that for like a health food thing in my coaching, not for money. I'm like, dude, get some frozen meals because then you're more likely to pop that in the oven. And then the plus side is, hey, you're saving money too. So yeah, Yeah, I'm all about that.
0: So can you outline, like going back to your story, first of all, how much did you pay off and
1: how long? Yeah, we need the nitty gritty details here. (laughs) Okay. We had $141,000 of debt. Oh my gosh. That's a lot of,
0: I mean, no judgment. That's
1: a fair amount of debt. That's a lot of debt. It is. (laughs) My husband um, is an engineer. He went to a private out of state specialty school an engineering school uh-huh. so yeah triple whammy and it was expensive yeah <laughs> so and then it yeah. how long did it take you guys to pay that down we paid it off in three and a half years
2: dude I feel like that makes me think Nina your min like your miniature goals can happen in the least amount of time if you just focus on it like that's an incredible story three and a half years paying off all of that
0: did you have yes. like a motor like because I know earlier we talked about like have a long-term goal of like why you want to pay debt off, which I think is really important. And actually like only recently did my husband and I sit down and go like, okay, what's the point of everything that we're doing financially? Like, Mm -hmm. what are we really working towards? And a lot of it, I mean, some of it revolves around me redoing an RV and going on road trips in it. (laughs) I mean, like we had some things we talked about, but what was your motivating goal in getting it all? Like, were you like, I want to start a family and I don't want to have debt with that? Or like what was your end goal?
1: Yeah. So when we first started, so this is what I recommend to my clients because I know that it, it it's important because when we first started, we didn't have that conversation just because, I don't know, we didn't think to, nobody told us to. Mm-hmm. But what we did was we just were like, we honestly came out of Financial Peace University pretty skeptical of it all. We were like, I don't know, can this actually work? And then we were like, what do we have to lose? Let's just give it a shot. And so we started, we started seeing it working. And that's when we started like, okay, this actually can work. And then we started having conversations. But honestly, that was probably right around the time that it's crazy how things work. We started struggling with infertility. And so as we were paying off debt, we were also going through infertility. So we struggled with that for two and a half years. Which is very expensive. Yeah, it is. And so we... We were able to cash flow that, and so it was honestly so nice of like that we had our finances in order because that that was so expensive. All of those tests, everything we had to go through, was added expenses, and so our big why throughout that was I wanted to be able to have to be able to stay home with her, and or now it's become a flexible work schedule. I'm a financial coach, and so I can kind of schedule my my time around being able to be with her also. But that became our big why. Of man, it is so hard to um, even, we're not even sure if we're going to be able to have a family. And so if we are, I want to be able to spend as much time with her, he or she, now it's a mm-hmm. she, but um, when we, when we are able to have a baby. So that became our big why. And honestly, it was so crazy how it happened. We paid off our debt, went to Nashville, Tennessee and did our debt free scream and everything. We paid off our debt. In June, and we had our baby in December of 2015. That's amazing. I saw your picture on
2: your website, and you were pregnant in the picture when you were doing the scream. And I was like, oh my God, what perfect timing. (laughs) Like, look at her.
0: She's about to start a family. Yes. Yes. Also, for people yes. who may not know what the debt-free scream— I mean, I happen to know what it is, but what is the debt-free scream for people that might be a little confused?
1: Oh, yes. That's that's a very good question.
0: Yeah, thank you. She just went um, outside in Ohio and was like, oh, <laughs> and say, I'm, I'm
1: debt-free. Free. Listen to me, Ohio. Me, when you pay off debt, that, that's what you feel like doing. <laughs> but so Dave Ramsey has a radio show, and you can listen to it on podcast and on YouTube and everything. But anyways, you could go to his office in Nashville, Tennessee, and scream your debt free on there. Wow. So you just schedule time, and then he interviews you, and then you're able to at the end of the interview you count it down and you scream we're debt free. And so that was really cool. I timed that together with when I did my coaching training with, with their team also. So that was awesome. nice. That's amazing. So
0: were you debt-free when you, like, what was the progression to coach when, like, was it after you became debt-free or like something you picked up while you were in the process? Cause you were learning.
1: Um, yeah. So we became debt-free in June. We actually went to Nashville to scream debt-free and to get the coaching training in October. Okay. So I was already debt-free, but the thought kind of came in my mind. We were, we started teaching Financial Peace University classes very early on after um, starting our debt-free journey. And people would come up to us after class and ask us questions. And some of them we could answer or at least give our opinion. And some of them were like, I don't know, we've never experienced that or that kind of thing. And I just started seeing that there was a need for help for people outside of... you know They're taking this class and it's a lot of information, but then they're like, how do I apply this to my life? And so I then heard about the Dave Ramsey's financial coach training. And so I thought that would be awesome to take that. And then I that was kind of my thought. Maybe I could do that part-time and be able to have a flexible schedule to be home with my daughter.
2: So is that where a lot of the mindset piece comes in? Because you can learn all of the information that you need to know, but then it's having that person by your side to coach you through and to talk about what's going on with your mindset around all of it. And how does like adding a coach help the situation?
1: Yes, that's a, that's a great question also. So that's the thing. Like I said before, I used to just give somebody a plan when we met and say, here, here's what you need to do and you'll pay off your debt in a year and a half or whatever. But that's not the value of a coach, honestly. There is a piece of that in our coaching. But the value of, of a coach is accountability and someone to help you through your mindset and your struggles and something that maybe you might not even be seeing that you're struggling with. So when we're having a conversation with somebody, oftentimes I can see something that maybe they might be having a negative view of money mm. and that may be holding them back. And I can tell that by the words that they're using, but they never even really realize that for themselves. Because in, when I was in it, I had a negative mindset of money. I didn't know it until much later. And so it's um, something that like, if you've grown up that way and you hear people speaking that way, then then you're not, you don't think there's anything wrong with it. And that's what, that's the value of a coach to help you through that. And someone that you can count on to say, hey, what should I do in this situation or that kind of thing to walk you through the big financial decisions. Yeah.
0: So can you walk us through what the steps are that you do with your program? Like I know there's like the different baby steps. Can you walk us through which, what ones those are? And then like maybe what you need to know about each one a little
1: bit to feel like you could walk you through the baby steps of how I coach people? Okay. Okay, so I use Dave Ramsey's Baby Steps and there's seven Baby Steps. And most of the time when I'm meeting with people, they're in the first one or two Baby Steps. So Baby Step one is to have a $1,000 start or emergency fund. Baby Step two is to pay off all of your debt except for your home, smallest to largest. Baby step three is to build a fully funded emergency fund. So you would go back to that $1,000 that you saved in baby step one and build it up to three to six months of your household expenses. And then baby step four is to save 15% of your household income into retirement. Five is if you have kids to, to start saving for their college. Baby step six is to pay off your home early. And baby step seven is to build wealth and give. So... I walk people through that process and, and we talk about that really in the first meeting, but then we go really in detail into wherever they're at in their goal. And as we said, a lot, of, a lot goes into talking about, even before we get there, about um, mindset and habits and their why and their goals and all of those things. So the first thing that I hear when like
2: you're going through the steps, I'm like, oh my gosh, $1,000 sounds scary. Like only having $1,000 is like, for example, before we got on this call, I was telling you guys about how my car died. And it's like we got, and before that I, like literally two weeks ago, I also got a flat tire. So it's like, that was like, I had to get two tires for like $400. And then this alternator is going to cost like $400. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like, almost a $1,000. Like that's almost that savings. Yeah. So 1,000 seems super scary. Does anyone ever mention that? They're like, but shouldn't I have a little bit more and then focus on debt? Like that's the part that gets me. Do I have more in savings yeah. to have like that safety net or do I start tackling these student loans? Like I don't know which one's better.
1: Yeah, that, that definitely comes up. And so there's kind of two different people, maybe. And there's a the people that have never had a savings before in their life. And that was us when we started this. We didn't have $1,000. So saving $1,000 is life-changing. Mm. And that sounds dramatic, but it, it's not. Because if you've never saved money consistently, to have $1,000 sitting there that's set aside for emergencies is just like this amazing feeling. And it honestly just makes you feel so secure. Yeah, But if you already have $1,000 or you're just really anxious about... Because another thing I talk about is not using credit cards. So if you're really anxious about not using credit cards and only having $1,000, then I tell people like, I'm not hard and fast on that. If you feel comfortable having 2000 or 3000 or whatever, you you can have that in there. Um, the key is you want to work through those first steps really fast, mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Because... If there again, it's about your habit change. And so if you don't see progress, you're going to be like, this isn't working. And mm-hmm. you're just going to go back to doing things the way that you were doing them.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about the credit card piece? Because I've had... Yeah. so. Another thing that comes up in um, like business coaching, I've done some business coaching is like, don't be afraid of credit cards if they're going to expand your income later, like purchasing a course or purchasing a coach or whatever it is. So what is your view on credit cards? Should you use them to your advantage if
1: you can, or should you like really try and pay everything in cash? I really say try to pay everything in cash. And I know that's totally against the grain and I, that's, that's one of the many things that come up very often when I'm talking with people is they're hesitant to cancel their credit cards. Mm. People like using their credit cards. But where I where I started to be with it was if I'm working this hard to pay off this debt, why would I ever wanna go back here? Mm. And so we just learned that honestly, once we have a fully funded emergency fund, we can pretty much handle anything as it comes up. And then also we're we're now budgeting and we can able we're able to maneuver things in our budget. So if you don't have enough in the emergency fund, maybe between the emergency fund and handling things in your monthly budget, you're you're able to cover it. And so I just think that debt is really risky. So it could pay off, but I have been really strong on I'm not, you know, I'm a I'm a business owner as well. And I'm not using debt to grow my business. And that might make it slower, but it's safer and it's more secure. And I'm not gonna Ever like have to have a certain amount of income to be able to pay that credit card debt? I, I don't have that stress or that worry. And so um, that's a big thing. You know, I work a lot with a, a local wellness coach as well. And so I always tie this with because health, I heard you guys talking a couple episodes ago when it was just the two of you about how closely connected health and finances are. Mm-hmm. And I say that a lot too. And so in this scenario, I always talk about like, okay, credit cards are similar to. If you know that you can't buy Oreos without eating the entire package, then don't buy the Oreos, right? So it's the same thing with the credit card. If you're not sure that you can't overuse it or overspend, don't have the credit card with you mm-hmm. because why have that temptation there? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and one thing that I've done because I've actually found like in doing some deep dives into my own spending triggers, like what I really spend on, food always. Um <clears throat> Love food. Ditto. Like, food and and coffee. Food and tea. (laughs) Food, travel, and also, like, I am—I love learning. So, I am the person that's, like, going to get this course, going to get this coach. (laughs) Like, that is my jam. So— I've recently, like—and I've tried to fight it for a long time. I'm like, oh, like, I don't have to save for personal development because, like, you know, I could probably not do that as much. But it's obviously something I really care about. So I've worked my budget to make sure it's in there now. Um, And I've stopped lying to myself and saying, like, you're—no, you don't have to spend on that. Like, I'm setting aside money every month so that if a course comes up or something, or a coach, someone that I want to work with, like, I have that pool to pull from, So I think it's like, I think kind of what we're talking about is making sure, like, if it's important to you, setting up a system so that you're saving for it consistently versus like not doing anything and then going to something like a credit card that maybe has historically gotten you in trouble.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying is it's a process. And so this whole thing of gaining control of your money is a process. It's, it's like, what are you spending money on and what's important to you? And if you've never actually paid attention to it and you've just been funding it with credit cards and other forms of debt, then, you know, it's a process to figure out how do I pay cash for this? Mm-hmm. And so exactly like you're saying, Liz is just like, realizing, like, no, that is that is important to me and I want to be able to save up for it. And so it needs to go in the budget and you need to save for it every month.
0: I have a question about renting versus buying because, Ooh, like, in your question. experience, you know, you obviously, like, got the house before you started your debt-free journey. So that was something that you already had financed. Yes. So as someone currently renting, because I... When I moved up here, I was like, I want an out in case I don't like it here in Northeast Ohio, but I love it. And I'm planning on staying here. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But my question is like, when you have, I think it goes back to like good debt, quote unquote, good good debt, bad debt. Like when you have something like student loans, which we do because my loving husband and I both went to the same (laughs) liberal arts college that was private and expensive. As me and Cody did as well. Yes. Same one, which we love very much and we're glad we went there, but did come with a price tag. I guess like, like I look at it two ways. I'm like, well, if I got a house, then I could cut my living expenses in half because it's more expensive to rent because you're kind of paying for some of that maintenance like as you go um, yeah. versus like maybe a lower mortgage payment. But then like your furnace goes out and you have to finance it yourself. Right. So I go back and forth a lot between like, oh, it would help me cut expenses and pay off my student loan debt faster. But then I'm like, but it's like more debt, and it feels uncomfortable to take on a mortgage when we have our student loan balances to finish tackling. And also, so people what are,
2: do make that argument of like when you buy a house, all of these other expenses go into it as opposed mm-hmm. to renting, it's taken care of. So, that's like a same struggle that I have, Liz is like, well, what is more important? Or if you want to travel and like go and like not be tied down, like there's so many factors for me that I go back and forth all of the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think it is so personal. um, Because obviously for us, we didn't know any better and we had already bought the house and it all worked out. It was fine. But I see now that it could have been so dangerous because we did have that debt and we didn't have any money. So if we were to buy a house that there was a lot wrong and things broke often, that could have put us in even more debt really fast mm-hmm. because that would have been how we would have had to pay for it. So that's what I would say is like, honestly, thinking through, you know, in your your scenario of moving into a house and paying a mortgage versus, you know, and maybe the mortgage is going to be, and maybe the mortgage is going to be lower because honestly sometimes the your your mortgage might be lower than right. what you're paying for rent. Um, but the reality is you probably should be saving that other piece of of the amount in case there's emergencies in your house. So are you actually ah, having That's a good point. That yeah, is a because, good point. I mean any repairs that come up they're on you right. and they can be really expensive, you know. And so and just even moving into a house, uh, we moved 2 years ago into this house and I mean, you just don't even think about all of the things you need to buy, right? It's like curtains and all, like yeah. all of these things that you need to do, and they're all on you, and you know. And so, moving in general is expensive, and then especially homeownership is expensive, and it's definitely worth it. But I just, I really think that if you can get the debt paid off, you're just, you are in a better situation because then you have more of your money for if those emergencies happen, and it's not so stressful on you. So, do you yeah. would you say that you are in support of renting? Yeah, at least temporarily. Yeah, yeah I think long term. Um, I think it's a, a great thing to buy a house. You know, home ownership is awesome, and that's an asset. And so, I think ultimately, I want people to be able to buy a house. But temporarily, it's it's good because it's like I said, you don't have to worry about all of the maintenance and all of those things. And so, while you're paying off debt, it's it's better, I think, to pay the rent. That's true. Because as I think about
0: it, like I love the little house we're in, but it was built in 1950. It's like a bunch of like little matching Cape Cods, like on an entire street that all look the same. And we've had like our pipes froze, our like, we don't have a lot of insulations. We had to like get some heating under our sink because when it was really cold, it was like negative (laughs) 20 degrees under my kitchen sink. Like there have been a bunch of stuff. Even, we haven't even been here a year. And I'm like, what would it have cost to fix all those out of pocket, Mm -hmm. you know? And because you're renting,
2: you're renting that house, but it gives you a great idea of what it would be like if you owned that house.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's, that's for us. Like when we moved into our house and we were renting previous to that, our our previous house. So and and my husband had then, and this was during our debt free journey. And my husband was traveling to China, and of course, that's always when when stuff happens. And so we had like one of the where the laundry drained in. It backed up, and it was like overflowing into the basement. Oh and there gosh. was, of, and I just thought to myself, like, wow, how much is this going to cost? And what do I do? Because previous we would have just called the landlord, you know? And so it's a big learning curve. So when you, when you're buying your first home and also can be more expensive.
0: Now, I'm also going to assume though, that you're not pro leasing, right? For cars. Like
1: leasing a car? Yeah. Yeah. No, No. I don't agree with leasing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's hard because I'm like, well, wouldn't it make sense? Sometimes it makes more sense to rent a house. Like when does it make more sense to lease a car? But then you never get the benefit of not having a car payment, which yeah, is nice to have at some point. So
2: I was going to, I want to tag on to that because right now we've had my Were car. Are you thinking about it with your car yeah, and all yeah. this stuff so going on? I've had my car since I graduated college. Like that I got my first car, well, not my first car, but like my first car, like my car loan. And it's been paid off for a few years. And so. Now it's at that time where literally everything's breaking, right? So it's like everything's going wrong and it's like happening now. And so we had yeah. this thought of, okay, we, honestly, it's going to be probably around $1,500 to $2,000 to fix everything. So it's was like, ooh, we could trade it in and then maybe lease a car. And, but then it's like, but then you're going to have to pay a car payment. And so is it better just to like pay all that money up front and then still have the car for a few more years or like lease and pay monthly. So it's like, what, what really, I don't know what's better probably just to pay it up front and then not have a car payment. Right.
1: Yeah. I think definitely to pay it up front and then not have a car payment. And because you said you haven't had a car payment in a couple of years. Yeah. I would say, yeah, two, three, probably three years. Yeah. Yeah, so as much as it stinks to pay $1,500 to $2,000 for a repair, you haven't been paying a car payment for a couple of years. That's a good way to look at so, it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's really awesome. And so, but when you get into a lease, really, it's they, car companies like the leases because it's like a cycle. It's really hard to get out, it's mm-hmm. expensive yeah. to, to get out of the lease cycle. And so that's why then you're you're really tied into having a car payment. Forever, kind of, until you want to, you know, break the ties and, and pay all the the extra amount to get out of the car lease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's plus really there's like point.
0: all those restrictions. I, Nina, I know you love to travel and drive around, and there's like all Myo those restrictions. restrictions. With how, yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. My husband, who it's interesting because when you were talking about being married and being on the same page, I think it's hard when sometimes you have like different money mindsets a little bit. Yeah. And he and we could touch on that with all of us being married, and for anybody that's listening that's married or. Has a partner, but he's like, I just want to drive cool cars. Like I don't care. Like I want to just like lease cars, and then I always have a different car. Sounds it'll like be, a
0: very boy thing to say. Right, it'll be like, it'll be up, super a sports cool. car.
2: And so I guess in my mind, it's one of those things like you talked about, like you even mentioned, and I want to get into this too, that you're a spender, like you like to spend. So I'm like, okay, well maybe yeah. that's something where you do budget it in. Like spending on leasing a car is worth it for him because he really will value, like that's his thing. He would value driving cool cars. I don't know what my question was.
0: Oh, I don't remember. What if you have different you know, mindsets? Like what if you have <laughs>
2: different mindsets on that, you know? And like, what do you do
1: when you're in a partnership with someone? So, I think it's all about communication and coming to like a happy medium. And I think over time, it, and so talking about money is so awkward, even with your spouse, and sometimes especially with your spouse, right? Like, it, it even today, there'll be times where I have to have a conversation or, we're, or my husband and I are talking, and we're so comfortable in this conversation, but there'll still just be those emotions because it's so ingrained yeah. in me that, like, you just, you just, I don't know, you can't let it go. And so, I think it, it so I'll say this. Sometimes, a lot of times, people will come to me and say, how do I get my spouse on board? And I always say, you have to talk to them about why and start asking them what their goals are. And what do you want to do with money today and in a year, in five years, in retirement? And we don't talk about those things because we think they're so far off. But then it's like, okay, realistically, if we want to do those things, how? How are we going to do those things? And so we need to make sure we're spending on what's important to us today and then saving on the other things. So in your instance, if the car is really important, then that that needs to go in the budget. But what are some other things that you can cut back on so that you can be able to achieve your goals. Mm, I like that way of looking
2: at it because then it's not restrictive, right? It's like, like it's not bad. Like we don't have to say leasing a car is bad. We have to say, if that's your priority, what are you going to do to still meet
1: your goals? And I
2: love that, like not making it so black and white.
1: Yeah. I think that's so important too, because it's like, I think people feel like a budget is so restrictive. And for me as a spender, that's what I thought. Like, Please, I do not want a straight jacket of a budget. Like, I just anything else than that. But what I started realizing was like, oh no, I can put in there whatever I want to put in there. But does that mean we're achieving our goals as fast as we want to? So, right. in laying it out ahead of time, it's like, okay, if I want to spend money on this, this, and this, then that leaves nothing to put towards the debt or the savings or whatever your goal is. Mm-hmm. Well, then you probably should reevaluate things because. That's not aligning with our values. And so really what a budget is, is in this whole conversation is, what are your values? And then are you spending money the way you actually say that you value things? So like so many times we say we value travel or spending time with family or those, but we're not spending money that way. Right. We're spending money at, coffee shops and going out to eat. And so,
2: well, you don't have money
1: to travel. So true. Like, how often do we say, I value this,
2: I value that. And then you're not doing the things because, well, I'm just reiterating what you said. Because you <laughs> say you can't afford it. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. I have a question about, like, a couple things. So what do you say for people, I think the group that typically finds themselves in the predicament of, like, I need to pay off student loans and, you know, last, lingering credit card debt. Like, I feel like it's a it's a millennial thing that we're facing right now, which is primarily who listens to this podcast. Yes. What do you say when, I feel like perhaps their parents or, you know, older people are saying like, well, you really should be hitting, like, these milestones. Like, checking these boxes. Like, this is—you get a house. You do these things. Like, you do it the way we've always done. That's the way it works. And obviously, like, our financial situations are very different. So I feel like millennials are very pulled in feeling like they have to meet societal norms of how of guilt, to handle things. I yeah, think. like debt. Uh huh. I mean, because if you say, like, hey, I'm not going to have a house until I'm 37, people go, like, oh— but you should have had that by the time you were like 25. So yeah. this is a very long-winded way of asking, <laughs> how can people like keep the course when society or people in our lives are saying like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be, you know, racking up those airline miles <laughs> or whatever.
1: <laughs> yes. This is, this is a really good question. I, I love this question because it's, Okay. So debt and living um, paycheck to paycheck and not having a savings and all those things are normal. And paying off that is not normal. And also, like you said, buying a house is normal. I mean, it, it's crazy. I'm so passionate about this too. Because as soon as you get married, I feel like people are like, you got to buy a house. You got to buy a house. got to make you gotta a have baby. You gotta have exactly. Yep. And no, I don't have either no yet. Problem. And I've been married for three years. Yeah, and well and so and we dealt with infertility. And so I'm so passionate about this because I'm like, you don't know what other people are going through. I mean yes. so many people asked me when I was gonna have a baby and I took everything in me to not burst into tears in that minute, you know. So so it's just like I, I think like you have to understand that, like you said, they're just going off of what they feel is is normal and what their normal is. But you have to be really grounded in what your goals are and very clear on what your goals are. And that's why if you're married, it's important for you to be on the same page. Because if people are pulling at you and you two are not on the same page, it's going to make it that much harder. And if you're not married, having friends or someone that you can go to to talk about that like, you know, okay, these... Crazy people are stressing me out and they're thinking, making me feel like I need to do all these things um, that you can you can talk to because, I mean, people made fun of us. We already had a house um, and everything, but they were making fun of us when we were paying off debt. Like, you know, asking us, like, are you okay? Are, do, my, my family would ask us, like, if we needed food and stuff. Oh you know, my like, gosh. That? <laughs> and so, like, they, they just didn't understand what we were doing but then fast forward and to like we can buy things and do things or i can stay home or have a flexible work schedule and then you hear comments like how are you able to do that? Right. Or how yeah. can you afford to do that? And it's like, do you remember the three and a half years or even longer that we lived on basically nothing to be able to accomplish these goals? And so so that's what I, I think is, is so important is just realizing that like you're not living your life for them and for their ideals. You need to have your goals and be very clear on your goals. And to sit here and say this sounds so much easy. I know it is hard to live that out because it is like you feel like you're behind. But... It's the same way with parenting, right? Like, I mean, once you, once you do have kids, like you, you're comparing your kid to other kids. Mm -hmm. Like life is a comparison and you have to just keep grounded in like, okay, this is what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And just know that you're on the right track.
0: Did you ever feel like, I mean, because what it kind of sounds like is isolation, basically, like you're on this journey kind of on your own or with your spouse. What do you say about like, another group of people who could derail you are friends because I feel like in our society, it's not, we don't feel comfortable saying like, hey, I have financial goals. I want to reach them. So, you know, I'm trying to not go out to happy hours as much. or I'm trying not to go out to eat. Like, how do you have non-awkward conversations? And you certainly don't want to give up Friendships or say no like so often that people are like, oh, we're just never going to invite Amanda because like she hasn't said yes in like eight months. Like, how do you make it so it's not too isolating but communicate your goals to people in a way that's not awkward to them or for you?
1: Yeah, I think that comes down to really just being clear and comfortable with what you're doing and not pushing it on somebody else. So I think that you can say, like, this is what we're doing and this is um, how we're trying to get our debt paid off and that kind of thing and not make them feel like they should do it too, or that you're like judging them. Cause I think that can be the thing sometimes is, and honestly, even if you're not, that if you're getting a negative reaction from them, chances are it's, it's on them more than it's on you. They're feeling insecure that like, oh, maybe I should be doing that or, you know, or, are they going to be advancing past me because they're making these choices and making these hard decisions for their life? But there again, it comes down to, like you said, if going out with your friends is a priority for you, then get creative. So one is, of course, you can put that in your budget and say, once a month, I want to be able to go out with my friends or invite them over to your house because that would be cheaper you know, to host them versus going out for happy hour. And those kinds of things of just like still including them, but understanding that like, you have goals that you're achieving. And so it got to the point where like our close circle of friends just knew and kind of made it a joke like, oh yeah, Jason and Amanda probably aren't going to come this time because you know they're paying off debt or whatever. And we would, we'd go like once a month and, and use our entertainment money. But then that was about it.
2: I think sometimes the struggle with that for me has been it's more of like that perception that people have of you. And it's like, you don't, it almost seems like you don't have money when you could, like, it's just like where you're valuing that money. Right. right? And so like my yes. struggle is if I want to say, no, I, I, I don't feel like doing that. Or like, we don't, I, I guess I never want to be like, you don't have the money for that. Cause like other, it's this idea of if I want to spend the money there, I will spend
0: the money there, but you're not making that, the money for that. Exactly. Like you're not, pushing the money in that direction.
2: Right. Yeah. And so sometimes that makes me feel guilty or if other people are doing things like, do they think I'm having money problems? No, it's just like, that's not where my energy wants to go right now. And I wonder if that's sort of that millennial guilt thing. Sometimes where we're like, we should be here. We should be able to do these things. We should have all of these ducks in a row, but they're not there yet. And so we're worried of judgment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. But I think one, I think it's so important to feel comfortable talking about money. So if you can just feel comfortable to like break outside, even if it's awkward to start talking about it, chances are your other friends are having the same money problems that you are, but they don't want to talk about it. You know, like, I mean, it's, you can't go by perception. So people are buying a new car or a new house or that kind of thing. And you might think, oh, they have a lot of money, but how are they paying for that? Mm-hmm. It Such might be with debt. a good
2: Liz you brought this up in our solo episode where it's the same thing as like you see a bodybuilder for example and you're like wow they have all of this going on but you don't see the hidden eating disorder or whatever the case may be and it's like you mentioned people have a house or they have this or they have that and you may not see that how did they even did they not even have a down payment or did they do it with credit cards or whatever the
1: case may be you never know. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think, like you said, there, there can be that guilt around it. But I think if you just start talking about it and you just start saying like, here are my goals, it might actually make people more comfortable to talk about it themselves as well. I saw, I don't know if you guys are um, familiar with Shannon McClay from the Financial Gym. Mm-mm. I saw her on the Today Show and I loved what she said. She said something about women especially are trained to not talk about numbers. So we don't talk about our uh-huh. weight, our weight, our sizes. And we especially don't talk about money. And I think that's so true is that like, that's where this comes up and it's so awkward is because we're not talking about it. So I think it's important to just talk about it and watch the way that you're talking about it. I'm really passionate about not saying I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Because that's so negative. As you said, Nina, you can likely afford it, but you're deciding to put your money towards something else. So just call it out. And just say, this isn't a priority for me right now. Or I already spent my entertainment money. Yeah. Sorry.
2: Uh, no, I was going to say, I used to catch myself being like, oh, like, this is so dumb. But oh my gosh, well, one day when I can afford to buy Madewell all the time, like just things like that when it comes to clothing, and I'm like, but well, wait a minute. Actually, if I wanted to get Madewell, I could. It would just cut into my food budget and that is not what is going to happen not to sociable. me. So I need my <laughs> avocado toast first and foremost before Madewell jeans. But yeah, it's so true when yeah. you look at it from an energetic standpoint that way. Like, what are you most passionate about putting your money towards? Exactly. Now,
0: what about, and I know like, I don't know if investments, like how much you deal with investments. I know that's like obviously a way later baby step, but should people, it's hard because you get the message that like, you know, we have the student loan debt. A lot of us, a lot of us have a lot of it. A lot of us might have other kinds of debt. And we have the message like you need to pay that off. But we also have the message like, you need to start saving for retirement. Like you should have been saving when you came out of the womb. Like you can never save early (laughs) enough for retirement. And like, you know, all the comparisons about like John started when he was 18 and now he's a millionaire and he didn't have to put like hardly any work in it. And so how do you, how do you still prioritize your future, but work on your current goals?
1: Yes, this is a great question as well. Okay. So it's different for everybody. So obviously the baby steps say that you don't start investing 15% until baby step four. Mm -hmm. But the baby steps and Dave Ramsey's plan is meant to do quickly. I mean, like with intention as fast as possible. And so the reason why he says that is because get that debt out of your life so that you have the money to be able to invest and save and do all the things for your future. But I meet with people maybe later in life or um, they're they're behind on their retirement or they're really hesitant in uh, stopping their retirement in order to pay off debt. And so for them, I say like, okay, then you know you might have to cut back on other things and you keep your retirement going. Because I do feel passionate about, you need a retirement, you need to save. And so I get that. And for in our personal story, my husband is very, he's an engineer, so he's very data oriented. And he was like He
0: probably Whoa. loved all this stuff eventually. Yeah. Like he's probably like, he numbers,
1: did. my jam. <laughs> yeah. He did so much more than I did, honestly. But he he was like really hesitant to stop our retirement contribution. We didn't stop that until later on. Cause then he was like, Okay, I'm ready to do it. Let's do this final push. But so we honestly didn't stop our our contribution to retirement until later. So It's different for everybody, but I think the ultimate goal is yeah, we're being so many people are being pulled in all of these different ways. You should invest, you should pay off your debt, you should buy a house, you should, and then people freeze and don't do anything. And so it's like just make a decision that you're going to start and tackle one thing at a time, and that's the reason for the baby steps of, of. tackling one thing at a time because it can be so overwhelming. And so that's, that's why people don't invest because it's confusing and it's overwhelming. And they're like, I don't even know where to begin. I have this debt. I don't have money to invest. And so ultimately all of that to say, yeah, if you get the debt paid off, then you have so much more money monthly to be able to put towards a retirement. Mm -hmm.
2: These are such incredible tips. And I just think like something to remember for everybody listening is that baby steps that you just said. So it's like eh, cut out the outside noise. There's so much input of what you should be doing with your money just like there is with your health and like figure out what's the best decision for you at the moment. And the baby steps or Dave Ramsey is probably a good um, starting point for a lot of people that need that structure to say, okay, I'm going to start here. But then I'm sure there's ways to modify that too, right? Like modify those and have that structure, but then also keep in mind like what you need to do for your own personal and family financial goals.
1: Yes, exactly. And, And that's the thing is that like So, so many people do want to modify it. And and obviously, you got to do what works for you. But if you have a ton of debt and you're not investing, my best advice is just get a savings, you know, a starter emergency fund, get that debt out of your life so that you can save for your future. And honestly, you feel so stressed because the future is, you know, a question mark. You're not sure about what's happening and if you're going to have money to retire. And so, if you just start tackling it, it's going to cause you to have less stress later in life. And ultimately, Honestly, less stress right now because so many times I meet with people and they are scared to even look at the stuff. They just honestly have just, you know, ostrich buried their head in the sand because they're like, it, it's really bad. I don't want to look at it. And really, sometimes it's, it's not as bad as they think it is. It's just we got to pull out the, the paperwork and start working through it and start making a plan. Well,
2: thank you so much for having so many encouraging things to say about such a touchy subject. And from the feedback that me and Liz have got uh, recently on the podcast is that incorporating these conversations on finances has been really, really helpful. And so I just, we appreciate you coming on and talking about debt payoff with all of our listeners.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you having me so much. Thank you so much. So where
0: can people find you if they want coaching or they want to follow you online or hear more about your story? Like what are all the resources to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, thank you. So I am Amanda underscore Share on Instagram. I'm Amanda Share Financial Coach on Facebook. And my name is a little challenging to spell. So I'm also com. That's my website. That's my blog where I share a weekly blog post about saving money in your everyday life. But I also have The Money Saving Minute and that will direct you to my website because I know my name's challenging to spell. So themoneysavingminute.com. We'll have it in the show notes so they can also just click
2: the link in there and get to all of your places. (laughs) On their merry way. Yes. (laughs) Thank you again so much. We're so glad that we had this conversation. Thank you. Thank you again to Amanda for coming on the podcast and teaching us all about debt payoff. I am so inspired by her story. And I can't wait to, this sounds really dorky, but go take a look at my budget right after this recording. (laughs) Um, Before you guys leave us for this episode, we encourage you to head on over to empoweredvoicepodcast.com and learn all about the Women Wellness Content Conference that we have coming up on September 21st. We cannot wait to see a ton of you there. And remember that there are only 50 spots for early bird tickets. So if you want to get that discounted price, speaking of money, Go on over and purchase your ticket before
0: they run out. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next week. Bye.